You're listening to No Hipsters Pod. Future nostalgia means the absolute world to me, and it has changed my life in so many ways, but one thing that I've really um, come to realize is how much happiness is so important. I felt really jaded um, at the end of my last album where I felt like I only had to make sad music to feel like it mattered, and I'm just so grateful and so honored because happiness is something that we all deserve, and that's something that we all need in our lives. Episode 37, No Hipsters Pod, Chaboy Ronte, the founder of NoHipstersLaw.com. And this week, our co-host is travel blogger, entrepreneur, and my dear friend, Cass Matu. Cassie, what's up? Hello, hello. It's glad to be back, Ronce. Right, right, right. It's been, I feel like it's been a year. It's like, been over some... a year, hasn't it? Yeah, like it was right when the pandemic was starting. That's yes, crazy. I think we talked about the Andrew Gilliam stuff. So yeah, it's been a while. right. Yeah, that's it's been a minute. Well, welcome back. Glad to have you back. So uh, let's get right into it. The Grammys happened this past weekend, um, and it was actually quite good for, you know, a semi-virtual uh, ceremony. Um, Beyonce made history. She is now tied with Quincy Jones as the second most awarded person in history, and she's now the most awarded woman and also the most awarded vocalist. So I was uh, very, very excited to see that. And uh, yeah, it was a great show overall. What do you think of the show? So I watched uh, snippets of the show because I'm on a boycott the, <laughs> the Grammys tips, but oh. obviously for social media purposes, <laughs> I still watched like, you know, Cardi B posted her performance on Instagram and I rewatched some of the things that were posted, but I am definitely, Grammys got to give it right. But, you know, they dissuade me because I definitely believe that Beyonce deserved the Grammys that she won. So, and right, you know, I'm right. H-Town. Shout out to H-T- Yeah, you know, right, I right, right. To, I, I loved that, you know, H-Town women were well represented amongst the winners. So absolutely, I'm partially absolutely. biased and I'm not afraid to say it. Right. H-Town. So it's funny, I didn't realize how like H-Town your accent was till like, Megan the Stallion became famous. I'm like, oh, you know what? She kind of talks kind of sort of like you sometimes. But you know, crazy enough, I sound more Houston when I'm in Houston because it's like, you know, you're talking to your peoples. So right, I right, think, right. I think yeah. you know, being here on the East Coast a little bit, and I, you know, I just I tend to speak kind of more like on a proper English kind of thing. So gotcha. Yeah. But of course, when I'm down in Houston, I'm like, yo, man, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, so it's funny. I, was, I was so I was so happy for Megan. She won three awards, and so she's um, now actually she's a one of the most hottie. I love it. Right. I love it. Right. Right. And she's one of the most awarded, um, you know, female rappers. I mean, only after Lauren Hill and really low key Lauren Hill is actually kind of a singer more than a rapper. But yeah, like she won three awards <laughs> and she won, right. <laughs> she you won know her how best categories used to be back in the day. Black <laughs> right. Rapper. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, she, you know, Lauren did rap as well, but you know, I, I know what you mean. But yeah, uh, uh, Megan Sound won best new artist, which, you know, I actually didn't think she was going to win that one, but she won it. I was really happy to see that. And she won two other awards, so three awards total. It was a huge night for her. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was happy to see that. What did you think of her performance with Cardi, though? So I'm going to keep it funky. I'm, you know, and I'm please, all please, about please pro sexuality, you know, uh-huh. being cute. It just wasn't a, it wasn't appropriate for the Grammys. I'm, I'm going to just keep it funky. I think it was a wonderful performance. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted my eight-year-old niece who's in dance to watch 
them, you know, grinding pussies on each other. Excuse me, I don't know if I can say pussy. <laughs> no, absolutely. This is this is an adult podcast, yeah, so, so say like, whatever. You no, know, I don't want them to be grinding. It. Like that's not something like I want you to be. Like you can be sexual without like that. So I'm not a prudent, no means, but. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about young kids are streaming it on there, you know, and a lot of times people be talking about kids streaming it, but I, I know kids watch worse, but that's not something that we want to like promote. Like I think gotcha. that that's adult content and I appreciate it as an adult. And I think that us adults should enjoy it. Um, but the performance was, even though I thought that, you know, that it was good. I just think that it wasn't as appropriate for like a prime time show. Mm. See, I'm, I mean, and I get what you're they saying. Were they, they were cute, and they, they definitely put a lot of effort into it. I, I, I definitely appreciate that. My thing is, I don't know that the Grammys is necessarily, you know, family programming. I mean, I, I feel like maybe we think it is, but at the end of the day, it comes on at night, and I'm thinking, like, I don't think an eight year old should be. I mean, this. I mean, this is completely hypocritical. I was watching the Grammys at eight, but I don't yeah, necessarily. I was about to say that. Like, I definitely was watching the award show trying to see if Jay Z and them was about to get a Grammy for this. You know what I mean? Right, but right, I will right. Say right. That it is. It is supposed to be more censored because it is open viewing, not necessarily right. that people are. You know, they're like, "Come on, kids, let's come watch." You know, the Grammys around. But some people's parents do do that. I think <clears throat> right. a lot of times, us as like you know, newer <clears throat> or younger generation and are different you know forget that people actually still go and sit around the tv and watch stuff together so you know or Mm. watch stuff and their kids are running around you know what i mean it may not just be that the kids are supposed to be there but the kids are playing and then look up and there goes cardi grinding her pussy into megan so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean listen i'm not here to like argue that that was appropriate for kids my whole thing is that i I think if you see something that you don't want your kids seeing then it's it's up to you to change the channel turn the tv off i just think we're just a little too much on the artist but i'm I'm not here to argue that that was family content because it most definitely wasn't and sometimes it yeah it did feel like okay i mean do we have to do this but a bit of predictability so i'll give you an example right my, me and my mom were watching some movie, right? It was, was it rated R? No, it wasn't. But you know, Nigerians are prudes anyway. But right. yeah, so she just thought because it wasn't rated R that it, the content wouldn't be like crazy. But then I guess there was some scene where they were dry humping that apparently was able to clear the PG-13 <laughs> rather than the R-ratedness. And my mom had to like close my eyes and do all that. But I, you could sit the anxiety in her like, yo, you know, I thought this was appropriate because this, they said that like if those type of things are going to put, then you need to put NC-17 so that people know little <laughs> kids don't be watching while you're watching it. You know, like it's almost like when we post stuff on social media, we like, oh, not safe for work. So don't open right. this content. <laughs> right, right, right. Work? True. True. As far as award winners, so uh, Taylor Swift made history uh, as, I guess, the most uh, album of the year wins for a woman. She was tied with Adele uh, with two wins apiece. She now has three, tying her with Stevie Wonder and a few other people. And I totally don't agree with that win. Uh, Billie Eilish won for Record of the Year. I don't Can agree with that Can we talk about one. Billie Eilish? And I love her music. Let me let me, yeah, let yeah. me just say I love her music. But right. this self-deprecating stuff that she does, honestly, you know, it's like, 
oh, I just feel like it's like, I don't know why. I want again, right? <laughs> right, like, oh my gosh, just really, somebody else deserves this more than me. And it's kind of like, come on, I see right through it. Honestly, I can tell you, right. I see right through it. And I love her right. music, don't get it twisted. I love yeah. her music, but I just... Just just accept that people enjoyed your music. And I think part of it is because, you know, her mom and dad are like, well... In yeah, the, they're like industry people. Right. Yeah. So maybe she she always has to question herself because she feels like... And she should. Kind of- I don't think... I Honestly, and I, it's funny, and I love her song, um, Ocean Eyes, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. called. I love that one. But, like, I don't think her music is that good. I definitely don't think she deserves the, the, all, like, the awards she wins. And, like, you know, whatever. Like, you know... I, I think it's, yeah, but it's, it's like I she won for like last year and she won for this year, and it's like the songs sound the same, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's like, yo, like at some point, you have to really want to, like, what's really going on, exactly. I mean, she, she's definitely, I mean, aside from her, her mother being, uh, you know, connected, I think she fits the Grammy prototype, which I think sucks because overall, they were doing they were doing pretty well with kind of breaking away from. from I guess it's actually, you know, is that even really true? I think they, they stuck to protocol actually, but she's, they've definitely like these, like, you know, pseudo mysterious artists who act like they don't really want fame, even though they absolutely do. And they, they definitely love their instrumentalists. So you have a Taylor Swift. So, you know, it's, I think they, they definitely stuck to like what they usually do. And even like song of the year, as, as happy as I was that her and Tara Thomas won that one, I think her is very much a Grammy prototype yeah you know? i would agree with that so you know it, it was it just, i mean i was happy to see them win especially for like the type of song they won for but all of it was very much in line with what family likes to see you know instrumentalist uh you know a song who isn't so glamorous in presentation and a song with a political message you know because and grammys believe that you know if the song isn't deep or this or that then it's not it's not important so yeah they're definitely skewed towards the actual like Artists rather than performers, for sure. So, people who play instruments, people who are just more like into the music itself. See, I, I see, and I take, I, I, I object to that uh, characterization you just made. Oh, the artist versus the performer. I think they're all artists. Just some people are you know, one type of artist versus another, you know, like maybe yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But I think know? the performer is like, you know, you want somebody who I, I think as far as their stereotype includes somebody who plays the instrument. So like somebody who doesn't play an instrument, maybe like, uh, you know, her, right. all she does is sing songs that somebody wrote for her. Exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of, I feel like when I say artists in that, meaning like they're the ones who are actually putting together the music. Right. But, like but, that. But that, is, that assumption is actually false, right? Because a lot of artists who don't necessarily play instruments are actually songwriters. And, um, you know, it's just... Yeah. First of all, Adele, I mean, of course, they definitely love Adele because she's, 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 um, her presentation is subdued in the way that they like. So they definitely reward her for that. But also, um, Mariah Carey is another artist who writes all of her songs, but hasn't been lucky at the Grammys. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. Uh, she was too pop for them. So I definitely get you the yeah. austere, austere artist who's yeah, right. not really wanting fame and kind of shies away. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I get that for sure. Uh, Janet, Janet Jackson is a songwriter as well. Yeah, they, the like songs, the, they, they like the eclectic, right, kind. right, earthy type of thing. It's, it's, it, it pisses me off, but, you know, that's that's the Grammys. But, yeah, I'm not happy with the Taylor win. I think they really need to cut that shit out, but it is what it is. Um, Ain't it? All right, let's talk fashion. Not that I'm not that I'm uh, an expert, but what do you think about people who showed up? I, I thought Junae Aiko actually looked really good. 
So I didn't see too many outfits. I will say, contrary to popular opinion, I did not like make the Stallions dress. Oh. I did not like it at all. Like at all. What? Okay, see, it's funny because a lot of people on the internet were going crazy. About going it, so. crazy, and I'm just kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't even that. I wouldn't have even. I would have walked past that if I saw that <laughs> on the rack. Like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> and I'm not saying she didn't look good, but it just wasn't. Just wasn't the dress that I cared for. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, Beyonce definitely looked good. I right. feel like her after Grammy. Uh, yes, the, the dinner. Right, right, right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I was like, you should have worn asses, but I love the black too. And then the fake, you know, like the gold nails on. I think she was very put together very well. And did you love how they just randomly showed up? Like, do you know the dress? Well, first of all, she probably was like, um, am I getting an award? Oh, no. I, <laughs> I get there when I get there. Because, you know, she herself has had a silent protest of the Grammys for some years, too. So I think she only came because she was known. Yeah, but I think, I think Beyonce knows that in some ways she's part of the establishment. And I think as much as they have cheated her out of the general categories, They've been very generous towards Beyonce. Uh, that's how she's been able to accumulate 28 Grammys. But they've been very, very uh, stingy when it comes to album of the year. She should have at least one. Um, and they've only ever given her uh, a general category once, which was uh, single ladies in 2010. So, right. Because again, they want you to, they want you to show that you're represented and all that, but those big titles, they want to maintain for the, their favorites or the people right. that they feel like, you know what I mean? And that's why, again, like you say, Taylor Swift, because she fits what they want as, yeah. uh, as a representative of album of the year. Right. It's almost, you know, it's like, characteristic stuff that people do. It's like, okay, you want inclusion? We'll give you some inclusion because right. it gets us the ratings. It gets us, you know, people right. talking about it and all that. Th- that is so... The top ex- honors because- I'm so happy you brought that point up because they definitely sell the award shows with the glamorous artists that they always end up shunning. Yep. Yep, and so, you, so basically, do. you sold the show with all the people who are like the people who are actually going to get people to watch. And then when it comes down to actually recognize them, you never do. Uh, it's it's quite quite or not, unfortunate. You it's almost like in uh, the corporation, it's be like, okay, yeah, you know, we'll we'll put you in like you know mid level manager and right. all this, but oh CEO, oh no, or, right, or the board position where it's like the people who make decisions, nah, we not right, here. right, no right. VP, nah, we not gonna put you there right like you know oh oh you could be the vp of diversity and inclusion right <laughs> that's a fact yeah that, 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 that's what we'll put you that, and that's really what it is because most of beyonce's awards are r&b awards right and it's funny I, i've always held the belief that when the grammys consolidated the categories like i think it was probably like 2012 or something they 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 narrowed down a lot of categories and the genre that lost the most categories was r&b and i i have no evidence but in my heart of hearts i i believe they did that because they thought beyonce was winning too many of course you know? And I think the only reason why she came is because they told her she was going to win some and right. that she was going to be breaking a record. And then right. she even said, even in my opinion, and Beyonce ain't tell me, even though I'm from Houston, Beyonce did not tell me this. <laughs> I know my bestie didn't tell me this. I'm not going on the record to say my bestie told me. Beyonce know you. She checks up right. on you. No, I went to her little sister's birthday party. I will tell me. this Solange. I went to her 16th birthday party. I still got this thing. Oh, okay. that's crazy. So I'm, I'm in with the family, okay? <laughs> 
But I'm sure she showed up late to say that I, I don't have to be on time to this shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Right. I come when I come and I'll receive the award when I receive them. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. And they probably didn't even know whether she was going to come or not. So they were probably like, you know, because if they knew Beyonce was going to come, they would have big that stuff up from the beginning for sure. Right. Well, I mean, she declined to perform. So that, I mean, they, that was the big news story before the, the ceremony. Like they had, people were asking, why is Beyonce not performing? She was the most nominated artist. How could she not perform? And uh, Harvey Mason Jr., who's the interim president of the Academy, explained that she was invited to perform and declined. Now, I don't believe that that decline was a protest. I think it's just a case of Beyonce feeling like I'm Beyonce and I'm not performing on like a soundstage. I'll, I'll perform when the world is back open. And I think no, that's what but that you is. know because number one, a lot of these stuff was not really like it was. It was not live. So some of these performances didn't. Yeah, look very yeah, live. yeah. Right. So my no, thing is, she like, could have like, like, baby, whatever. like. Uh, like the ones that seemed, that felt like music videos, those were definitely recorded. Right. But some so of them she were could have did something like that if she wanted to freak it out and do, you know, something, you know, extraordinary with the True. message. I think that she didn't care to because she knew what it was. And she has been silent protesting this Grammys for a while. She came to make her history because that was of interest to her. Right. And she didn't even give y'all the heat at the Grammys. She gave you the heat after the Grammys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is calculated. Let me tell you something. Uh, I'm gonna give y'all something cute. I'm gonna give y'all something cute. I'm gonna bring the heat <laughs> later. Let's change gears. Samaria Rice, mother of the late Tamir Rice, the 12 year old black boy who was uh, killed by the police after um, someone called 911 saying that they saw someone holding a gun. And um, he was holding a toy gun. Right. Mm, that was and just a heartbreaking story. Yeah, without question or anything, he was shot dead. So um, I guess one of the more well names in the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, the, a lot of protests has happened, you know, um, about him and in support of, you know, gaining justice for him. And which was never never achieved, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, his mother, Samaria Rice, um, made a series of posts on Facebook this week calling out Tamika Mallory, Sean King, uh, Lee Merritt, uh, Ben Crump, DeRay McKesson, and all the other, you know, notable figures in the, what I'd like to call, activist industrial complex she refers to them as cloud chasers she refers to the lawyers specifically as ambulance chasers and she's saying that they're using all of people's pain to basically raise their profile and enrich themselves and before you say anything i just want to say that i couldn't agree more um, and I also want to say that I I clocked Sean King and Dana McKesson years before. You did, world. you did, you did. Yeah. I'll give you that, Ronte. You were <laughs> thank, in the forefront. Uh... Thank you. They, it's like it's like and you even know that. And I I was even saying this years before we knew each other. Back in 2014, I remember seeing the tweets around uh, Mike Brown's death and seeing how, like, Dre McKesson was becoming, like, this noble figure. And I read those tweets, and I was like, I just get the feeling like this guy is just trying to get famous off of this, right? And that was the feeling that I had. And so for her to say this, and let me tell you, she's not the only one to say this. Uh, this other guy who uh, was left paralyzed, I believe his name was 
George McCall. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He had made a post on Instagram pretty much saying and, and, and saying that these people are really in it for themselves. And you know, I tell people all the time when these tragedies happen, unfortunately, the people who rush the cameras are just never to be trusted. You know, yes, um, yes, they do bring a lot of attention to the case. And I think that that is useful. Um, like, for instance, we would know about George Floyd if Sean King didn't post about it. And so they do help. However, all the people who are rushing to give statements, rushing to press conferences, rushing to create GoFundMes, all those people are just are suspect, in my opinion. So I was wondering what your thoughts were, Cass. So I feel like I am 90% on her side. But the only reason why I'm, I'm a little hesitant, I agree with everything you said. I mm-hmm. 100% believe they're cloud chasers, right? Mm-hmm. But you went to them because <laughs> of them be, being able and their their desire to amplify things that again right. is going to be for their benefit too. So it's, right. so for me specifically this rice situation. This was before this was like, you know, closer to the beginning of the of the uh, movement. Of the movement, right? Yeah. And so when I read her message, I just to me it was like she is a woman who's hurting. That when the dust settles, who is there around you, right? And so I can understand her sentiment, and I know that they're cloud chasers, but they were cloud chasers when they first came, you know, three years ago. But part of it was they were cloud chasing, and you got a benefit from that in exchange to a certain extent. I always say, specifically with people like Ben Crump, he is a civil attorney. His bottom line depends on how much he gets you. But y'all steady keep picking him. I don't even like the man. I think he's like the worst representation of like the black <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, but I, they, I have, he keep picking my, him because he has thoughts. a network. He exactly. he has connections. He can amplify the message. He's been on all these stuff, so you guys specifically choose him right. because of that. But then get upset that he's doing what he said he was gonna do and what you know he does. Right. He, like again, I I get it. Like Tamika Mallory, I think she goes around and amplifies the message. But her agenda, and I and I and I hate to say this because it sounds very callous, is their agenda is not your personal agenda. Their agenda is black people on a whole. And a lot of times, these individual stories get lost in a movement of lots of people. She's going to the next one because she's got to bring. You know what I mean? And so a lot of times they. It is cloud chasing, but some of it is understandable cloud chasing because she's responsible for pushing the movement and getting people riled up and getting and and and, and putting pressure on people at different pressure points. And in as much as I get it, she is a cloud chaser, Tamika Mallory. Ben Crump, a hundred percent a cloud chaser. I don't even like the man, right? And I don't even know him, but I'm just right, let, 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 let me jump in real quick. I will say this. What you're saying is true that I made that point as well, that they are useful. But my issue is that all of the good work that they do for the greater good is secondary to their personal gain. Well, I think that I think that that's the first that, motive. That, that, to is, that to me is um, that could be argued. I mean, that's that's somebody's opinion, right? Sean right. King is, but obviously, Sean King is now doing stuff and using what he has built. And, and doing stuff, right? And commenting and people sharing. That is his social capital, right? right that social right. capital doesn't belong to anybody but him. Right. How he wants to use it for his benefit, I feel like it's very, um, it's very, um, 
unfair to act like he can't use his own social capital no, no. for his well, own benefit, right? I just, I just want to say that Sean King is kind of a different figure in the sense that he's been accused of actual fraud. Now, these other people have been accused of trying to do things for personal gain and being insincere in what they do, which I think applies to all of them, right? But right. Sean King is special in the sense that he's been accused of asking for money that is unaccounted for. No, so that part is a separate issue. I'm just talking about him in whatever ways he uses it, he is entitled to use it. Now, if he uses it to defraud people, then yes, he's a defrauder. If right. he uses it to uh, to amplify the message and have people support his causes and do stuff with his agendas in general, that's a different story. Obviously, there are stories about him defrauding people. I haven't really looked into it as much. But right. my point is, is that one of the things he does and he has been doing is amplifying and getting the attention to a lot of these stories. Right. So I'm not saying these people are all going to be good, but people use them because of what they're good at. Right. Right. Of course. People like, even like, if you want to even say something like, um, you know, any of these companies, half of these companies be, uh, voting for Trump and furthering his stuff on the back end. But on the front end, they're donating $2 million to $3 million to women, black women. So we, we laud them for what they do good. And you can still chastise them for doing right. But it's, it's to me, it's hard to kind of like just pigeonhole them into... And because people literally use them for what they're good for. You know, you understand what I mean? Right. So even you are using them. Like you're, you're in tragedy, right? For example, and I and I don't want to make it seem like people's tragedy is is isn't important and serious. Something happens in Podunk, Georgia, and you're not getting no attention and you're not getting any movement. Somebody gets in contact with Sean King to amplify your message, and all of a sudden now they're taking it serious. You used him too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't want, and so I don't. I I, I and I. I, I, don't I, think I get. I bad. get the point. I get the point you're trying to make, right? But I think the use of the phrase "use them" is it's tricky for me because this is not like oh they've used them to enrich themselves. If we're going to use the phrase "use them," they're using them to get justice, right? As opposed to these people who are using their tragedy for money, for fame. But in you part, know, it, when you get a lawyer, and this is why I say, I, this is why I can't stand Ben Crump, but you, people keep using him, right? Not yeah, using think, him and, in and, the and, sense that they are exploiting him or they are being, their use of that person is a little bit more exploit, exploiting, right? But it, right. Is a, it is a shared, you get something, I get something. That is gotcha. how it is with any of these. When you start engaging them, you already know that they're they're not doing their stuff is never purely altruistic. And I don't want and I never maybe just me, I never thought that they were completely altruistic but, in what they're doing. But that that's you and I though. But think about and that's both of us speaking from our, you know, privileged perspectives and being able and as people who first of all consume a lot of media and people who, you know, probably already know a whole bunch of lawyers already. If these people are in wherever, like you said, in some small town, how, what access do they have, you know, and what do they really know? And maybe they're not as, because they don't have as much exposure, might not be able to like tell a fraud as quickly. Right. And so that's that angle. Like for instance, Tamika Mallory created something called Brianna Con, which is a convention that was quote unquote to uplift Brianna Taylor's name. And Brianna Taylor's mother was publicly endorsing this whole exercise but everyone else could see that this was extremely tacky and this was completely just foul 
right? And and another example of Tamika Mallory basically using tragedy to raise her profile, right? And so, but to the well, mother, I mean, I, mean I, I, I don't know. I, I think I have a different opinion, Tamika Mallory. And, I, and people could say, I think that some of what she does is cloud chasing, but I think she does a lot. More than no, than I, that, and I that's no, no, like, I, people like Ben Crump. He's literally he only he's the first to show up as soon as the tragedy. Actually, happens. honestly, out of all these people, I think Ben Crump is actually more should I say believable or or maybe just more sincere because I feel like he was kind of like the engine that could like he started this. I guess you not knowing me. <laughs> no, 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 and 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 I'm you saying got, because Ross, no, no, I, I love no, you, bro. No, no, you got no, to be kidding me. The most no, genuine. No, no. Now, let me say this. Let me say this, right? Ben Crump did this. He was on the Trayvon Martin case. This was before, like, the whole Black Lives Matter thing had really taken off. In fact, Trayvon Martin, in some ways, was a seminal case for the movement, right? It so was. This was, before... it was the catalyst. It literally right. was the catalyst for the Exactly. And so and he no has way... been selected as the lawyer ever since. Exactly. In all of these but, civil but litigations. My, but exactly. But my point is, because he was in the seminal case, there was no way he could ever predict that this is what life would be or that there would be more opportunities where he would oh, keep making money like this. Oh, you don't think he knew that when he jumped I, on I, every single high-profile case? No, I'm saying, no, I'm saying that. Let's, let's start there. No, 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 no. I'm saying, pass. my point is, maybe today, that's what it is now, right? He sees that he can make money. Like, someone said that he made $17 million in, like, what, 2018 or something? So maybe he knows that, okay, this is a great way to make money now, right? But at the start, I don't think that he got into it as you know, a money making venture. Let me now, let me let me break the, it down to you, Ronse. He is mm-hmm. a civil litigation lawyer. He has nothing to do with the prosecutor. All he does is advise. He doesn't get convictions. He gets the family money. So right. his his idea has always been his money is tied to how much of a settlement that people get. Now, obviously, he's figured out that the calculation of the settlement depends on how big and how broadcasted and how pissed off the rest of America is. So you see him on every news station up and down that are taking multiple times, every single interview, commenting on on prosecutorial stuff, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't really even tell you too much about the civil side. He tells, And he's not even a prosecution lawyer. That tells you already that he's trying to gain exposure so that the bag is bigger. Right. And... and, uh I get, I get what you're saying. Then he made sure that the settlements happen before, right. the, before those those criminal cases, which, I mean, generally happens anyway. But I, I'm like, it always is like, oh, before stuff, it definitely is settled beforehand. Right, right. And he got he got $27 million for the George Floyd family, which is, you know, big, right? And I, get, I totally get what you're saying. The difference between him, though, and the Tamika or Sean King is that I feel like they saw this and say, you know what? This is what this is going to be for me. They came in with that intention of raising their profile, of enriching themselves. That, at least in my, from in my estimation, that's what it looks like, and so that's why I, I kind of see him differently uh, from how I see the rest of them. Now, at the end of the day, they're all these people are all in it for themselves at this point, and I think that's unfortunate. But like you said, they also do good because the you know, yeah. Just, I mean, we're, we're just gonna have to disagree. I don't think they're all in it for themselves, but they definitely have some benefit that they want out of it. Mm-hmm. The Sean King thing—if he's a fraud, he's a fraud. I don't—I don't know the, the whole background story about that. 
Um, right. I will say that he there has been things that if it wasn't for him, people wouldn't have known. And he definitely is right. good at amplifying. That's his role. Now, if right. he's, now if he's using that to exploit situations, and hundred percent, I agree with you. Um, right. Tamika Mallory, I think she is a part of a lot of different movements and shows up a lot and is invited Oof. to a lot. Right. But again, that's that's my own, you know, personal opinion because I've seen a lot of the stuff that she has done, yeah. different engagements she has, and been invited to. You know. Right. Right. So it's every time I see her speak at like press conferences, I feel like I'm watching like a soliloquy at like a. Tyler Perry player or something. It just it feels I cringe every single time I see her speak. It's, it, it, you it's, are so pretty, but look, I respect your opinion about it. Yeah. A lot of times people feel differently about yeah. people than I. You yeah. know, I get it. Yeah, and honestly, I have to say, I, I, I'm always hesitant to actually criticize them in public because I feel like I'd be giving credence to except for on your podcast. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, I feel. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've been emboldened by Samaria Rice, but like, you know, I, I, cause the reason why I'm hesitant is because I think that you in, inadvertently give credence to racists who are just on standby looking for every opportunity to discredit the movement. They need a gut check, honestly. And truthfully, yeah. they need a gut check. Like you need to have a gut check that you're here for mm-hmm. the right reasons. And you're not just, obviously there is a, a certain allowable personal gain people right. can allow you but if you're if you're losing sight of the actual reasons why you're doing it and you're getting caught up in the you know the the drug of social media and cloud mm-hmm. and fame and people paying you and all that stuff which a lot of people you know fall victim to over time then right. yeah you need a reality check and if some of the people need to call you out for you to regroup I'm a, that's why I said I'm 100% for how she feels. She's, she, I don't see anything wrong with how she feels. Now right. I may have a different opinion, but I'm not a person who was, who feels like I was abandoned after my story went cold. You know what I mean? Right. And that right. They're, they're not here to keep pushing and keep, cause the real part about it is, is okay. Now this is done. And I think what I kind of feel is that these people are jumping to the next, to the next, to the next. And the right. people who they were with before are like, hey, what about me? Like, just he's not the sensation now. I still yeah. want justice in my town. I still want laws changed in my town. I still mm. want grassroots efforts to be funded in my town. And so then they keep jumping to all these different places and forgetting about people who are still needing their assistance. And so they need to set up those networks that are thriving and still doing stuff and leaving roots rather than looking like they're packing up and moving to the next tragedy smoking, you know? And I think that's a fair critique of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, at the end of the day, I think the family of victims are in a better position to make these judgments. Absolutely. If Samara Rice feels this way and if many others are also feeling this way, I think there's definitely something there. We should listen. We should listen. And I'm listening to her. I definitely do. I just want to be fair to them instead of just jumping like, oh, they're cloudy. They don't do anything. All they want is, you know, money. It's like, well, number one, these people do do things. They just may not have done exactly what you wanted them to do for as long as you wanted them to do. But also they need a gut check. What kind of, what are you leaving behind when you're going to these places? Are you actually making a change? Are you making these people feel like you're, you will always have them. Are you continuously answering their phone calls when they have you? You know what I mean? Like, are you circling back to make sure stuff is done? Like, you know, it's not about, it's like the breaking news. It's like the, once the news cameras leave, 
you know, what's left? Are you still here? Are you still participating? Can we still count on you? Can I still call you? Like you were so quick to answer my phone calls when my son first died. Are you still answering my phone calls now that I'm not the the latest tragedy? That makes a difference to people. Right. Listen, we could talk about this for hours because there's just so many layers, but we'll leave it right there. Let's change gears to Kirk Franklin and his son, carry on Franklin. <laughs> Love the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> Listen, so David in the news this past week after carry on posted a recorded phone conversation where Kirk Franklin is heard cussing him out and making violent threats. say this is bad and this is no laughing matter however i've been cracking up because kirk franklin yells just the way he does on his songs well (laughs) you know he is and i think the the funniest part about it which again parental abuse and mental abuse is not funny so let me put that disclaimer out exactly exactly but i definitely but i I cracked up when plies was like it was me it wasn't him You know, just the kind of comedy, because even through tragedy, I feel like black Twitter has oh, yeah. a very, very, very good specialization in making anything funny, Absolutely. even if it's not supposed to, and then just laughing about it. And I don't, his trauma and his trauma between his son is not a laughing matter. Not at all. Not at all. Now, you use the term parental abuse, which is what he used uh, in describing the situation. He says that, uh, you know, his family has never been kind to him. And he says that even when they went to, to therapy together, like, you know, he, I think he, uh, Kirk Franklin tried to get violent. Like, he's made a lot of accusations and says that he's just never been treated fairly by his family. Now, Kirk Franklin released a statement like the day of. Many of you know I have an older son named Carrie Ann Franklin. In May, he'll be 33. For many years, we have had a toxic relationship with him as a family. We've tried for many years through counseling, through therapy, to try to rectify this private family matter. Recently, my son and I had an argument that he chose to record. I felt extremely disrespected in that conversation and I lost my temper. And I said words that are not appropriate. And I'm sincerely sorry to all of you. And so a lot of debate has followed. Uh, people are on one end saying that carry on who's 32 going to 33, in about two months say that he's too old to like, you know, claim parental abuse or saying that he's too old to have any of these types of issues. Uh, also claim that he was very disrespectful to his father. And then there's another camp that says that Kirk Franklin shouldn't speak to his child in that way. And that it is inappropriate for a parent to ever be that abusive towards their child, no matter the age. And, uh, and someone even made this argument. And I have to say, I agree that, Believing it's okay to get cussed out and called cruel names by a parent is proof he didn't turn out fine. And so, with that being said, Cass, you have the floor. Ooh, this is dicey. Uh, Because I, okay, so here's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. 
Somebody told me a long time ago is that if you're an adult and you step to another adult, whether that's your parent or not, and you come at them, you better be responsible for however they respond to you, relationship or not relationship, right? Because Mm -hmm. at this point, you're an adult. Like, you have kids who beat up their parents. So let's not pretend like he has all this power or whatever. Like, he literally could have decked his dad or, you know, whatever. And Mm -hmm. so so I'll say that. I don't condone toxic relationships between parents and children, however they manifest, whether it started by the pit child and levied against the parent and vice versa. Obviously, you could always say that the parent who is the older and wiser should have control, but people, buttons can be pushed. And the number one people who can push your buttons are going to be people who love you. So is his behavior absolutely reprehensible? Yes. But is it understandable if whatever happened before that tape pissed him off? It's understandable. And I think that's the part where I'm a meeting in the middle kind of person with it. Mm. I know for sure if I would have said something that when I, made my dad turn red, he might have cussed me out too. You understand what I mean? In whatever right. way he is used to cussing. You know what I mean? Nigerians, they, they, their own curse is very different. Right. right. <laughs> Facts. So when you hear when you hear them, you know it's it's Nigerian right. curse, right? Facts, 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 you know facts. Or I mean? it's like mm-hmm. if I come down, brick your head. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever the way is typical of the culture to, mm-hmm. you know, levy violent threats. Did I, did I ever think that my mom was going to come and break my head? No, right. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also know that that is verbalizing violence in lieu of actually doing violence is a way to release anger for some people. And Kirk Franklin's not perfect. Right. And I don't excuse him, but I, I would caution us to jump down his throat without also understanding that there is a lot of stuff behind there that we don't know. So I'm not saying that his son isn't well within his right to feel the language was not productive it was hurtful. He, it, it was mentally, it could be mentally abusive, but I think mentally abusive, if somebody's reacting to you, it's not fair for you to necessarily rule that as mental abuse. Right. right. So if you're sitting here antagonizing me, antagonizing, antagonizing, and I'm like, Ron say, I'm going to slap the shit out of you. Right. It's not fair for you to have pushed my buttons that way and then get a reaction to me. Like, see, she's threatening violence. So I don't know that's the story that happened, and I don't want to make it seem like that's what happened. But those are circumstances that I believe people can understand that a father will come out of his mouth and cuss out his son like that. So we all are, I mean, not we all, but some people are wanting to know what provoked him, if anything, to do that. Or is it if Carrion just said, Dad, I love you, and then he spouted off those, you know, those obscenities, then I can understand where he's coming from. But it's hard to judge it. Because, you know, you only heard his reaction to Mm -hmm. something. And so I think people are trying to give Kirk Franklin grace in Mm -hmm. the sense that people, people's parents, I mean, and then you got to understand they're from a different generation, which obviously (laughs) isn't necessarily correct in today's terms, right? Right. Parents back in the day used to threaten violence with their kids all the time, used to beat them and do all that. And I'm not saying that we should still mirror those those same like disciplinary tactics or all that but it's the understanding that that's that is their era and that's how they grew up and you have to understand where they're coming from now is it unacceptable now absolutely i think what you're trying to say is that uh stories of society are constantly evolving and that's usually reflected in how we interact with each other including in parenting right there we go you said it so eloquently uh, (laughs) 
I try, I do my best. And, uh, and also I, I feel like on the flip side though, I, I get this feeling that a, a lot of families, especially black families, right. Have kind of normalized abusive behaviors because we somehow think that that's what's kept us in line and that there's no other way to do it. And so there's a lot of people, you know, in the comments saying, oh yeah, you know, my mom, my mom said the same to me, blah, blah, blah. Like the fact that this happened to you and you seem semi-sane today doesn't necessarily mean it's, it was a good thing. Right. Well, you got to understand that that's people in general. People do mm-hmm. what they're taught or, or, or mimic how they were raised <laughs> and use that. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying right. that is a normal human behavior to be mm-hmm. a product of how you were raised and your environment and your increased education that you're assuming everybody has. And they don't. Mm-hmm. We, we can already tell you that. Everybody right. doesn't have that increased education, especially when that environment still operates like that. Obviously, right. us who have, you know, may have gotten different perspectives or, you know, had a traumatic experience that we don't want to pass on or, you know, or maybe not even come to the realization that something was traumatic, but learned through other means or through other people and seeing how other people were raised. And mm, maybe that's not how I want to raise my kid. You know what I mean? Right, right. But you got to understand that some people, that is all they know. Like you, I mean, if you're talking about backwards Georgia, they don't know anything about. Oh, well, you know yeah, what I mean? All, Georgia has caught so many strays in this episode. <laughs> I'm just saying, but look, yes, they, they deserve yes. it. They just <laughs> as bad as Georgia, Florida in my book. <laughs> they just as bad as Florida, but you know, I ain't saying Charlotte. Charlotte said it. Blame it on Charlemagne. Let's talk about Sharon Osborne, wife of Ozzy Osborne, <laughs> and uh, last uh, remaining original co-host of the talk, and she has been in hot water this past week, or really more than a week now. It's been because actually we talked about her in the last episode. So after uh, Piers Morgan, uh, quote unquote, resigned, uh, they say he was actually fired after he left. Good Morning Britain. She made a tweet basically saying, I stand with you, blah, blah, blah. People don't realize that you're being hired to offer your opinion and blah, blah, blah. And so Cheryl Underwood brought this up on the show. She fired back and there was uproar because her the whole interaction was really quite racist. Uh, it's just very like condescending. Don't you even cry because I should be the one crying, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then... Fast forward, more information comes out. Apparently, Holly Robinson, Pete, and Leah Remini believe that Sharon Osbourne had something to do with their firing. She allegedly referred to them as ghetto. Sharon Osbourne denies ever using that term and says that, oh, like, I've only ever used a term to refer to Nazi ghettos, which is also questionable. But in any case, <laughs> right, <laughs> as, as if that's any better. <laughs> right, right. But like, you know, that happens. And then they're like, uh, okay, but uh, there's actually video evidence of her referring to uh, yep. Leah Remini as ghetto, right? And now Yashara Ali, who uh, does a lot of reporting for Variety, uh, put out all this new info about her referring to um, Julie Chen as wonton and, and slanty eyes and referring to Sarah Gilbert, who's actually the executive producer. So she actually created the talk. So Sarah Gilbert was a cast member on Roseanne back in the day. And so she created the talk and, but she's no longer on the show and she's a lesbian and Sharon referred to her as uh, I think, I believe fish eater and some other like lesbian slur. And so 
All this new info is coming out. The talk is currently on hiatus. It was supposed to take a break for two days, but it's now expected to come back uh, this coming Tuesday. So that will be six days off the air because of Sharon Osbourne's uh, mess. So uh, people think she's going to be fired. I think she should. And I also think it's ridiculous that they're putting the whole show on hiatus because of one person's bad behavior. So Cass, take it away. Um, yeah, good riddance to bad rubbish. Amen. <laughs> I think what she did to, and Cheryl Underwood handled it to the best of, I think she's a Zeta, <laughs> so I got to throw it out there. Quintessential Zeta that they probably taught her because it probably right. took everything in her not to respond in the way that right. she probably wanted to. Right. But I just thought it was despicable because it was like, you know, and obviously, how she really is came out because she was heated and yeah. it was just kind of like, don't you, first, I didn't even think Cheryl Underwood was about to cry, but I mean, <laughs> right. I'm like, where, where did that come but from? I <laughs> think that she, she knows about how a specific people with a level of caucasity like to levy tears against people mm-hmm. to bring attention to themselves. And so she was in anticipation that, Cheryl would do that, and Cheryl was looking like, honey, I'm not even... Like, I saw her eyes kind of get a little big, like, wait, what? I'm about to cry. And I thought it was just kind of like this, you know... uh, And then you're the victim all of a sudden. Like, wait, what? Where did this even become about you being a victim of of what she's about to say? Like, you know what I mean? This was too... It was too sincere. And then I... I've always believed that, like, the British are probably one of the most racist of all of them, but because they have all these commonwealths, they get away with it. Um, But, yeah, British people are just not really good with political correctness. They're very, very—they say a lot of what now in these days are intolerable— um, yeah, I think I, I feel like that's Europeans because they're usually not as covert exactly. with their racism. And they're, they're like, more so like here, we're like, okay, yeah, you shouldn't say that out loud anymore. When back in the yeah. day, people used to say kind of like, oh, you know, say yeah. unfortunate things like, you know, even in the black community, you can still see remnants of it to a certain extent that I you just don't agree with. Right. But they'll be like, oh, they'll go right. to the you know Chinese place and be like, oh, or get their nails done. Come on, come on, mingling. Let's let's go like right. So right. She's not the only one who does it, but I feel like in today's times, those things are not acceptable ever, but really not on any kind of forum like that or with people in the workplace. So if you're doing that with your coworkers and like, you know, if you do that in your house, you can be racist in your house. It's unfortunate, but you can be. But when you start going around and, and talking to people about and, you know, knowing the climate that we're in, we're super racially charged and we're just like intolerant to racism in any form, shape, or prejudice. Because some of it is like, oh, it's racist. But yeah, it's prejudice, too. It's like these stereotypes about people. Right. Um, you right. know. And uh, yeah, and honestly, I, I'm hoping that we all get to a place where we're not even being racist in private, because that's really where it all starts. No, of course, right? of course. The, all, all the things that you're saying at home, that you know, that's those are your thoughts, right? And eventually, it comes out. And so, let's get to a place where all of our hearts have been changed, are cleansed. But I yeah, mean, but you got to understand, so, it's idealistic at minimal. sharing stuff like that and you know funny enough people right. used to know that i don't know like people used to be way more covert with their prejudice and stereotypes and all of that now it seems like 
Which is yeah, great. I, th- I, I think, think you I think show us that you're a racist and you're prejudiced and you're a homophobic person. Like show us so that we know how to deal with you and shun you in society. Yeah. But they're upset with the backlash. But this is what happens when you operate in a society, right? Yeah. Well, I, well, I think in the case of Sharon Osbourne, she's just I think drunk on privilege, and oh, she's pulling the, she's feels... pulling the Karen card because now some some uh, right. black men savior is running to her to interview her and and all right, oh the Kevin God. Fraser interview. Exactly. Oh my goodness! Well, I, was like, I watched the Man of Steel story. I said, "I'm good." Read him for right. Actually, I, I I haven't I haven't seen all of Kevin Fraser's interview, but the little I've seen has been quite disappointing. Oh my I am God! A, a Kevin Fraser fan. I hate the fact that. <laughs> And I dare say that sometimes our brothers love caping, like, you know, for the Karens. I know. Absolutely. It's terrible. It's like, why why did you want it? Because it was controversial. It was the most racist and all that. You wanted to humanize her and make her not racist, you know, white woman and help her to clear her name and all that. But what about the people who were, who, who were, she attacked you know what I mean? Then you want to sit here and tag them as if they should come to you, uh, as if you can summon them as you feel, and other people. Uh, that like the, that I think the tagging, tagging was especially inappropriate. It was very inappropriate. But, and, and you know, of course, Amanda Seals has responded, but he, since all of the backlash for his interview, he actually, I believe, took the clip down and said that he hadn't seen the new uh, allegations made against Sharon, where like you know they said that she was calling Julie Chen wonton and all that other stuff. So he said the interview was done before that. So I don't think that, that makes it okay, but whatever. Yeah, right? he might as well have blamed it now, on his diabetes. <laughs> But, but okay, I want to say that actually, since all this has happened, people are revisiting just Sharon's problematic past. So one time she was telling a story on a, on a British TV show, I believe, where she was saying that she had her assistant who has lived on she and Ozzy's premises go into the house to get some of their stuff because their house was burning. And when the assistant went in, I guess, with a face mask and came out with one of their items, says, took the mask off him and put it on their dog. Oh my God. And told him, right. And told him to go back in. And I guess when the whole thing all settled and the fire was taken care of, they were, I guess, chuckling about what happened. And when the, the assistant says, why is any of this funny? She apparently fired him. What? Yes. So she's a real psycho. Well, I mean, now, she was married to Ozzy yeah. Osbourne. You have to be a certain right. level of fucking crazy to be with in that situation. So, you know. That part. That part. And then secondly, there was a, I believe, New Year's Eve bash that she hosted at the height of the, you know, uh, meet the Osmonds. That's the name of the show is Meet the Osmonds. I yep. believe. Meet the Osmonds. Yeah, the Osmonds family reality TV show that was an MTV, and that was the height of their fame. And they had a New Year's Eve bash, and I believe there was a, a Hollywood agent. I believe she worked at ICM. Her name was Renee Tab, and she was someone's plus one, and somehow uh, was able to win a fifteen thousand dollar necklace. Um, through, I think it was either like a, a some, I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was like a, some kind of competition. A raffle the or event. something, right? A ra- exactly, a raffle. And she ends up with a necklace. And for, for whatever reason, Sharon Osbourne 
starts accusing her of, of stealing the necklace. Yeah, I mean they're they're problematic. I mean she's been problematic, yeah. and I, I I encourage anybody who got them old clips, some old receipts of un uh, unaired footage <laughs> to, to expose her for who she is. Right. MTV, right? That's not it. That's not it. I know. I know. That- that's not it. Go ahead. Yeah, that's not it. Yeah, she's the, the she accuses the, the lady of stealing the necklace, which she didn't steal, but calls her a Persian carpet cunt. Is right. What she yeah, her. I heard that too. No, the stories have been coming right. out. That's what I said. Right, 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 right. And then apparently, the and apparently, right, apparently spit on this woman. Oh my gosh. Yes, and then the ne- next couple of times she ran into Renee Tab made an incident. I think one time was at an airport and another time was at a Hollywood restaurant. So basically terrorizing this girl and then got her publicist to put out a news story saying ICM agent steals necklace. So basically trying to ruin this girl who was 26 at the time over a necklace that she did not right. steal. So, so this, so, I mean, yeah, she's, she's, Osborne, she's a nut on a rampage. It's like, it's different if you just have an opinion, but you have gone out of your way to sabotage people's lives. That's why you need to be fired and nobody needs to even hear what you got to say ever again in your life. You are amen. toxic amen. <laughs> to just she's toxic. Everything. Right. Yeah. She, she needs to go. So definitely, I think we both agree that she should be fired. Winners and losers, Cass, I will let you go first. Winners, let's see. I will have to say my winner for the week would be Beyonce. Ah, of course. I'm sorry. I would have to definitely say Beyonce. I think she kind of really shined and showed why we love her and why she was so graceful. And then one of the reasons why I say that uh, Beyonce is the winners because she showed us what grace looks like. You know, mm. Megan the Stallion was up there with her at receiving the award. Beyonce could have, you know, did this, but she used that opportunity to to breathe life into the young artist. You know what I mean? And say that we appreciate right. you and thank you for like, you know, because everybody want to be like, oh, Beyonce jumped on that song and made it hot or whatever. But really, it's like, no, you brought a hot song to me and I just augmented what, what you already created was hot. So I just feel like Beyonce right. just reminded us that, you know, a lot of times we want to give the bigger star the credit, but Sometimes it's not it's not them. It's the the you know the junior people who are coming up that need the encouragement, that need to be lauded, that need to be uh, praised for their hard work. Because Savage was a song before her, so you know I think that it would it would be good to make sure that we recognize that that was Megan's work or her team's True. work, and and True. so I think that that she just showed me so much grace about how she's evolved as a person. Right, and your loser. That announcer who blamed <laughs> him calling the uh, the protesters uh, the N word on his diabetes. He has on to his be diabetes. The scum of the scum of the scum of the earth. A- absolutely, like absolutely. that. I mean, obviously, there's other losers, but that has to be the yeah. most pitiful reason yeah. for why you his, his why name, you're a racist. Diabetes doesn't right. make you racist. Right. His name is Matt Rowan, just by the way. Well, I don't even care what his yeah. name is because he, he deserves to be, he don't deserve no notoriety. Nobody needs to Google him. Right. To right. fall from, you know, he doesn't need nobody running to him to interview him and, and see his side of the story. He's an idiot. Right. Agreed. Agreed. A racist one okay. that, but yeah. Agreed. <laughs> All right, so my winner this week, I was going to say Beyonce, but you got her. I think you said it all. She made history. So uh, 
my, I guess, other winner is Drake. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. This past week, he debuted at number one, number two, and number three simultaneously on Billboard Hot 100, which is a first. No one has ever done that. So, I mean, if, if you ever doubted Drake's star power mm. in 2021, mm. I, I think he has answered any naysayers. And, um, yeah, because it's funny, cause I didn't actually like any of the songs on Scary Hours 2, but... Well, As you can I see. also think that the billboards is fake. The, the the how people get to the charts is just completely fake and fumbled. But that's my own personal opinion. I think that Drake is a wonderful artist. Don't get it twisted. I love Drake. Right, but. right, right. right. I, I don't think it's fake. I do think that you can use star power to make these splashy debuts in ways that you couldn't in the past. Uh, but that being said, I, I think that you know Drake is on a roll and it was just it was amazing so he's the first to debut at uh, in the top three uh uh ever but he's also he's i think believe the third to occupy the top three spots at the same time ariana Grande did it uh two years ago and the beatles did it in 64 and they actually occupied the top five positions at the same time so yeah he is in rarefied territory so shout out to drake amen and, of course, of course. Now, my loser, of course, is none other than Sharon Osbourne. I think she has, <laughs> well, she has earned her. Yes, yes, she has earned her spot. She is uh, just, just a, a nasty lady. I mean, just racism aside, I think she is a mean woman. I think she has uh, just made so many people's lives a living hell, and I think she deserves to get fired, and I'm hoping that that's what we hear from CBS in the coming week. So. And canceled, and I'm not even for cancel culture, but yeah, cancel <laughs> that bitch. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> that, that was in uh, New Jack City. Cancel that bitch. I'll buy it now. <laughs> so that's a New Jack City reference, I think. So, you know, not my words. <laughs> This has been so much fun. This is actually the longest episode of the podcast ever. Because you know I'm a chatty cat. Right. No, no, no. I love it. I love it, though. Thank you so much for stopping by, and I hope you come back. So before we leave, plug your social media and your businesses. No problem. So you guys can follow me at Sandy, S-A-N-D-Y is I-S, international, one word. And that's my Instagram account. And then you can also check me out. My business is shop. For Sandia.com. Uh, you know, support black business and black women. Of course, of course, of course. Episode 37, No Hipsters Pod. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>